Welcome to The Brief, brought to you by BVO2. Today's guest is Ryan Davies from Carleton University, right here in Canada's capital. We're going to be talking about crowdfunding platforms and how they're helping to foster philanthropy on campus. Today's conversation over espresso is going to be about crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, and micro donations. Our conversation is going to start sort of back in 2006, where we started hearing the term crowdsourcing. Crowdsourcing led to crowdfunding. Crowdsourcing was the idea where a collective body would get together and complete work or work towards a goal. That led into what we call crowdfunding, which is this year, as of 2012-2013, rated around $5 billion in the U.S. marketplace. Now you think about that. Only five years ago, it was less than $1.5 million. We're seeing a huge, huge growth in this space, and we're trying to figure out where is that money coming from? Why did individuals get behind it? And why is crowdfunding becoming such a huge value to organizations and individuals who are getting their projects and possibly their new creations off the ground? Today, I'm trying to discover from our guest, Ryan Davies, how it is applied to his business, how he's made it work for him inside the university environment, and why it is actually changing the platform in which they're going out and speaking to their constituents. So, Ryan, um, what is Future Funding? The Future Funder is a crowdfunding platform built specifically for Carleton University and Carleton University projects. It's an in-house platform that enables students and researchers, faculty members, and staff to, to raise money for important university initiatives. Um, it's a platform that allows individual community members to put forward an idea, to put, put forward a project or an initiative that might gain philanthropic support out in the community. It's a space where our community members can become fundraisers for projects that matter to them. Awesome. So what was the driver of the change? Like, why did you do it? Ultimately, the, the, the reason that we adopted crowdfunding is um, it was a request from donors. The um, additional reason we thought that crowdfunding would work for us, I think, is that potentially it could open us up to new markets, that we, in, in the advancement shop, and the fundraising team, um, can reach alumni, can reach students, can reach parents. But there's a whole other, you know, a, you know, an infinitely sized market out there of potential donors who are associated with the, the students and researchers and um, the people on campus who are working on this, these smaller projects, this, this, this multitude of ideas and, and, uh, and initiatives that are happening on campus. They all have friends, they have colleagues, they have their own social networks um, that have no association with our university whatsoever. How does someone get a project started? It's a simple submission process as an online form. Comes back to the fundraising team. We make sure it meets certain charitable criteria and that it has the support of, of university leadership. That's it. And is there a limit in scope, size, project that you're worried about? There's no limit right now. We're, we're encouraging um, smaller, less ambitious financial goals um, because crowdfunding is is based on small gifts, um, depends on small donations, and the, the lower the total, the easier it is to get to it on those small donations. Great. Is there a time limit? Do you put a time limit around your projects? Is it a, a year long? Is it a couple months? How do you run that? The, the time frame is it should be set by the project ambassadors, but we encourage shorter horizons. Um, urgency is, a, is an important driver here, and uh, 
we we ask our project owners to think of a go no go kind of quality to the, to their project. If I don't raise the funds by a certain day, I can't do it. I think that's really compelling. Um, it really helps kind of sell the project. So the the more the shorter the horizon, the more compressed the time frame, the better. And so you get to the end of a project, and the project is not fully funded. How does the alumni association or development or get behind it? If a project isn't isn't fully funded, there are a number of things we can do. There are often other donors have matching funds available. You know, we might look for an opportunity there. Um, sometimes the university leadership might decide that uh, it could, that, you know, they they can match some of the the investments. Um, and then simply sometimes if a project isn't successful, if it's halfway there, that may be enough as seed funding for for a project to get started. Um, so, so. You know, not getting to your goal isn't necessarily a sign of failure. So different than Kickstarter, uh, where if the goal is not met, no funds are applied. In this situation, funds are applied, and it may be that they didn't reach their total goal for for what they were were looking for, but there's still a value of the goal that they could actually use. If, if a project isn't successful, if they if they get halfway there, um, depending on the nature of the project, uh, they may still get their their funds. If they're able to do something with the, uh, whatever they've, they've raised up to that point, um, if they're able to get started, then we as the fundraising team will work with them to, uh, to ensure that the funds can help. Um, if they can't do anything with it, then what we, we typically do is roll the funds up to, to something larger, to a departmental level to, or to a faculty level. Our intent is to make sure that donors um, are clear on this, so there's a lot of transparency, they know where their funds are going, and that it ultimately supports something that's in their area of interest. What's different about Future Funder than all the other platforms out there? The biggest difference about Future Funder is that it um, it doesn't charge a commission. Other crowdfunding platforms are built on that idea. They're meant to be, uh, you know, they're ventures for for uh, for companies in a sense. Uh, ours is inherently charitable. If we don't project. Um, goes up, raises its money, gets 100% of the funds that it receives if it's if it's successful. Uh, we don't charge that commission whatsoever. This is part of our business as a fundraising team to support that. What was your biggest challenge in getting this this future funder project off the ground? The biggest challenge was was talking university leadership into it. It's a new model. It's a new method. It's inherently democratic. A lot more open. Um, it's just it's it, it's an add-on to traditional methods, and we just weren't sure whether it would work. Um, and whether it made sense for us. So, so getting over that hurdle was the biggest challenge for us. So if you were to go back two years and say, you know what, there were lots of platforms out like there are today that you could rent, lease, or buy, um, would you still go down this road? Would you still go down the personalization layer of building it yourself, mm -hmm. going through the interaction, making sure it's customized for your individual users? Would you go that level and think it was enough of a differentiator for you? I think that building an in-house platform is... is the true advantage. I think that is the real win. So absolutely, I would go down this road again. The, the benefit that we've seen that I don't think we ever anticipated we, we get is that we built something, we're contributing to something that we call the culture of philanthropy on campus. My boss says that fundraising is a team sport. It succeeds because faculty members and students and, and community members are engaged and supportive of this. They, they uh, are out there spreading the word and they are getting behind the initiatives. Um, and being ambassadors and participants in its in its success, building our own platform has uh, encouraged that has 
has, has really opened people's eyes to that, to that fact that fundraising matters and makes a difference to them. Ryan, this is an amazing conversation to really, really understand how it's been affecting the emotional and the physical donation process. Do you have stats that follow this? Like, is there something in hard numbers that can, can show that it's been successful? There are statistics that, uh, that um, suggest to us that there's a great potential here. The first is the, just in terms of revenue. Um, in over a year and a half, we've raised, I think it's over about $600,000 um, on Future Funder, which is close to a third of, um, third of, our, our, of our revenue total through for, for annual giving overall. So that's in this first year alone. One third of it has come from. That's a from. massive surprise. Yeah. It's not all through the website, but to those projects, to right. Future Funder projects. So that, that's very, very encouraging for us that uh, leading with the ideas, um, engaging a network to spread the word about about these projects, there's huge potential in that. So, so that's the most compelling one, or that's a, one of the most compelling. The second is that 50% of, over 50% of the the donors to Future Funder projects are giving for their first time to Carleton. So they may be graduates, they may not be graduates, they may be members of the community. Um, half of them have never ever supported Carleton before. In traditional methods, that number is more like about 20%. So there, that suggests that there's a huge growth potential. There's just something very encouraging and very, very uh, magnetic maybe about, about giving to giving to future funded projects and through this platform specifically. So what's next for for Future Funder? What is the next for your your platform? What's next for for Future Funder is I think increasingly we're gonna make this platform the front door to giving at Carleton. There are many ways that people can come to Carleton to find something to support, but just the the energy and the enthusiasm and the 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 passion for for the future funder for this method of giving has been so obvious, been so strong over the last year that I think we we, you know, we want to to make it the the first stop for everybody who's looking for an opportunity to give. So, Ryan, do you have any vision of where you think this is going in the university space? Where do you think the next two to three years are going to be? I think in the next two or three years, we're going to see more experimentation with, with crowdfunding on campuses. I think we're going to see other universities adopt their own in-house platforms. I think we'll see services emerge. The crowdfunding as a service become a, uh, an opportunity for, for some universities as well. So I think there's going to be further refinement about uh, around what, what most makes, makes most sense for, for universities. Um, and I think we're going to see a real emergence of, of university community members becoming crowdfunders, becoming project owners. We're going to see creative pitches from, from scientists and researchers, and we're going to see students um, shooting video and trying to make things go viral. I think there will be a lot of attention in this um, to, to individual projects in that area now as, as individuals get a hold of their cause and their, their initiative and, and go crazy with it. I think that's where we're going to see this industry go. Ryan, thanks for the conversation. It's been amazing. We're seeing a huge shift in all audiences. This is not just in, in philanthropic giveback. This is in entertainment. This is in uh, social environments. This is in, in building things that don't exist today. From the individual to the corporation, everybody's getting involved. Think about how big this marketplace could be and think about how you could use it. Ryan and I are going to collaborate on a blog below, so take a look at the links that we're going to include. 
Um, we're going to check in in a year from now, Ryan, see how well you've been making out and see what the new projects have brought and, and see how you've been able to, to spread that digital footprint. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Brief. If you want to be a guest on the show, drop us a line. To check out more episodes, visit bvo2.com.